0: Hello and welcome to National League Town, Mets fandom, Mets history, Mets life, with Long Island's own Greg Prince and Jeff Eisen. Hey, Greg. Greetings from
1: Steve Cohn's world, Jeff. We're all just living in it.
0: On today's show, are you kidding me? Did that actually happen? The Mets got Omar Nevarez. No, that's not it. The Mets got Carlos Correa. We woke up today with the shocking news that Carlos Correa is a New York Met. How do you feel, Greg? I
1: feel like I've just added about a dozen years to my life of a shortstop-turned-third baseman who is incredibly talented and incredibly accomplished and still in the prime of his career. So I'm feeling pretty good.
0: He was supposed to be a San Francisco Giant. We had that 45-minute late-evening segment when he was rumored to become a Met, and then the News came that he was going to be a Giant. Yesterday, the Giants canceled the announcement press conference at the same time that the Mets were having the press conference for Justin Verlander. Welcome, Justin Verlander. And then today, we find out that Steve Cohn called Scott Boris, Steve Cohn's on vacation in Hawaii because, of course, and said, since that deal fell through, let's make him a Mets. He's going to be the Mets third baseman for a long time. 4.4 WAR last year, projected 5 WAR this year. One of the best players in baseball. He's never played third base, but he's 6'4. He has the body for third base. He's certainly an outstanding fielder. I'm so thrilled that he's a New York Mets.
1: As we remember the late Franco Harris, who just died today, or at least we got word that he died. uh, 50 years since what is known as the Immaculate Reception, celebrated in Pittsburgh. I'm sure still rude in the San Francisco Bay Area where there are Oakland Raider fans still. I think we can call this the immaculate interception that Steve Cohn came in and grabbed Carlos Correa just before he hit the ground. And perhaps in the San Francisco Bay Area, they're not too happy about this incredible play as well. Listen, we were going into the next season not knowing who everybody was going to be because it's still mid-late December, but with the idea that we've done a lot of good things in this offseason, but if you take a step back, it was a very similar setup to what we had last year. I think we we talked about how bringing in three frontline starting pitchers, including a future Hall of Famer, made up for, and maybe more than made up for, losing an elite starting pitcher and two frontline starting pitchers, but You'd be entitled to call that a wash. You brought back your closer, who's the best closer in the game, but you had him already. You brought back your center fielder and leadoff hitter, who was a very hot commodity and made himself very desirable, but you already had him. In fact, just yesterday, we learned that we'd be getting Adam Adovino back. And while there were some upgrades in the bullpen, we had him last year. You looked around this roster and you said, I still feel very good about this team, but where exactly is the net upgrade? The net upgrade is Carlos Correa, uh, one of the most dangerous bats for the last half decade or so, Uh, an elite defender, as you pointed out, taking on a new position. That seems more and more doable in this day and age, the way players train, the way athletes learn. I'm still haunted by the fact that 51 years ago, the Mets went out, got a big time American League all-star shortstop named Jim Fergusi, and stuck him at third base, which he never played before. And well, that didn't work out too well. Well, we didn't give up Nolan Ryan this time. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say Carlos Correa is not Jim Fergosi. No disrespect to the memory of Jim Fergosi, a great player for the California Angels all those years. This is a better team. Moves to be made and all of that. Hey, a physical to be taken, by the way. Okay. I am assuming that due diligence on the part of the Mets was done to be confident that whatever bugged the Giants, whatever caused the rift between Correa's camp and the Giants to the point where everybody knew he was going to sign with the Giants. Look how many times this offseason we've talked about. It's a done deal pending the physical. And that sort of thing that we say every offseason. And it's always a formality, except for that one time it isn't. So what the heck was going on with Carlos Correa, where that's concerned, I guess we'll learn more about that. I guess we will learn that he passes a physical or whatever needs to be done on a more technical level. But assuming, which is always dangerous, assuming Carlos Correa passes his physical, this is a big upgrade for 2023 and certainly for several years to come. If we allow ourselves to feel good about things because we're Mets fans and There's always an aspect that says, oh, my God, what's going to go wrong? This is not the day for that. This is the day for, oh, my God. We got Carlos Correa.
0: You mentioned injuries. Carlos Correa battled injuries, this is per ESPN, to his thumb, back, and ribs from 2017 to 2019, a three-year stretch in which he averaged just 98 games per season. There was a question about his back, but yesterday the issue was clearly stated. It was not about his back. We don't know what it was about. Maybe it was Byers' remorse. He's never played third base. He won his first Fielding Bible Award in 2021 hat tip to a friend of the pod Mark Simon you said that maybe the team hadn't gotten that much better they were a 101 win team but the argument that Steve Cohn made last week to his favored reporter John Heyman was that my team is good but it isn't that much better than last year so Steve agreed with you Greg but yesterday he said to Heyman we needed one more thing and this is it This was important. This puts us over the top. This is a good team. I hope it's a good team. That's the Mets fan in Cone qualifying the big move. You have to be thrilled about this. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see where Buck puts him in the lineup. It'll be interesting to see what moves are made around this. Because all of a sudden, what happens to the minor leaguers? Beatty, Mark Fientos, where do they go? Where does Eduardo Escobar go? They don't have to go anywhere, but I would suspect they go somewhere.
1: I didn't know you when you were in law school, but you must have crammed really well for the bar exam and for whatever else you had to pass, because you've got so much Carlos Correa information. Granted, you've got the Internet. Uh, I know for a fact that you were not up all night doing this because you called me early this morning. (laughs) In shock. So uh, kudos kudos to you, my friend, for uh, doing all this research on the fly. Uh, As far as Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos, uh, I don't want to to spit into the wind of the future because the wind of the future will spit right back at you. I'm not that worried. How's that? Brett Beatty had, what, a week or two before he got hurt? Uh, Mark Vientos had the slightest of auditions. Send them back. Send them back to AAA. Keep working on it. If they are somehow so desirable to other teams that you can fiddle around some more, well, perhaps you have to listen a little more closely. No fan who watches prospects come to the fore, come to the cusp, make their debut, wants to say, well, you know, we, we can just trade them now because we signed somebody for 12 years who plays their position. Uh, we just sign somebody who plays their position. Uh, Maybe there are other aspects of their game they are about to discover. You never know. You know, if we were going into the season counting on a minor leaguer who played for about two weeks and a minor leaguer who had about 30 at-bats in Vientos and Beatty, unless we were really expecting the moon out of them, I would be concerned. Uh, I'm not that concerned right now. Uh, As far as other moves, those those things will fall into place. One of the things that we, all of us, are guilty might be too strong a word, but one of the things we we tend to default to as fans, as observers, whatever you want to call us, is that when a move isn't made at this hour on this day, oh my God, what are we going to do? There's still a lot of time. Uh, There's always time. There are always moves we just got carlos correa i'm not going to worry about ancillary additions at this hour i'm just still digesting this to be honest with you i'm digesting an infield that goes from from left to right or right to left into tonica uh alonzo <laughs> mcneil lindor correa and you know i think there probably were times in the in the history of the world where that would have been called $100,000 in the field or the million dollar infield. I don't care what the numbers are at the moment. It is a daunting infield, certainly if you are pitching against them in the batting order. And like you said, Correa's got defensive chops. We've seen Lindor. We know McNeil uh, raised his game uh, top second baseman. And we're not uncomfortable with Alonzo at first base. Not not that this was done to to win a uh, a fielding Bible infield lifetime achievement award but it says something uh, as, as i'm thinking out loud about this but my god i mean the, the first six in this lineup depending on how they're they're juggled because we, we know who the top four were last year day in day out nemo Marte, Lindor, Alonzo. we know Mc, mcneil batted here and there but i think settled into the number five hole and well where, wherever you want to plug gray in uh that's six out of nine right there and I'm not gonna say it doesn't really matter the next three are because if they if if you've got three and I don't want to pick on the guy, if you had three Darren Ruffs, three Tomas Nitos, three James McCanns, whatever, uh, that's an that's an inning with three apps, probably. But again, I'm I am doing what I just said we shouldn't be doing. It's worrying about the window dressing almost. Uh, we just got Carlos Correa. Think about your life as a Mets fan. And how often this sort of thing didn't happen prior to a couple of off seasons ago. There'd be like one big splurge every decade or so. And then there'd be recriminations and then nothing would happen. This is what this team does now. And this is what this owner does now. Somebody who bought the team with the idea of building the best team possible, not just to hedge his bets. And, and hold back. When I first heard about this today, my, my reaction uh, out loud to my wife was, well, I guess he's not taking it with him. <laughs> and that's uh, Steve Cohn's uh, approach to life. Uh, whatever whatever it is he's doing, as long as he's not hurting anybody, keep making it and keep spending it on, on the Mets. And if you, you want to buy another dead shark, be my guest, I suppose. Our interest in this is the Mets. All you can ask for is a team that is built to win, win this year, win continually. That's the idea. And so many teams are not operated that way. And the team we root for was not operated that way for large <laughs> swaths of its existence, especially since it was possible to invest more than just, gee, I hope we, we sign some good amateurs and make a few savvy trades. Uh, I'm left thinking that if these rules existed prior to 1976, the coming of free agency, if they existed in the early days of the Mets, you're going to tell me Joan Peason wouldn't have done something like this, maybe not at this scale. But this was a lady who was always trying to get Willie Mays in his prime, had inquired into getting Stan Musial late in his career, Uh, all kinds of names that floated around, but that just didn't happen there was no free agency in 1962 until 1976. There was free agency from 1976 until 2021. And we dipped in and out of it under other ownerships. Uh this guy is serious and it's I don't think it's just about ooh look at all the look at all the fancy players. I'm gonna go get some and these are obviously done with an eye on Fortifying a 100 win, well, excuse me, 101-win team. I'm, I'm not going to uh, chip us out of the win number 101 there. It's fantastic. What can I say?
0: Steve Cohn, it's been said, understands how much money he has. And we're so grateful that he's spending it to help our team get better. As a baseball fan, you think, oh, my gosh, the money is mind-boggling. But we don't care. That's not our concern. As a Mets fan, it's thrilling The Mets just added 20-plus home runs to the lineup. This is something that we've discussed on the show. The Mets were fifth in MLB in runs scored, but 15th in home runs. We talked about how you need more pop in the postseason because it's harder to put together three singles. Alonzo and Lindor hit 66 of the Mets' 105 home runs. Well, it's not all going to be about Alonzo and Lindor anymore. This is going to be a team effort, and the team is much, much better. And as for what to do about Beatty, Andy Martino said he could play left field. Maybe that's something that he'll do in Syracuse this year. Vientos doesn't have anything left to prove, so I'm going to suggest this. There was some Liam, Liam Hendricks talk yesterday with the White Sox. How about another reliever? Let's get Liam Hendricks, who's also, by the way, an excellent person. You can Google his comments about only going to a team that has a pride night. So I'd love to see him on the Mets. Perhaps you trade Vientos, you work in Escobar, and something something comes along with McCann. They take McCann as part of the deal, and you get back Hendricks.
1: The uh, Mets hit 171 home runs last year, and even with, with that number you know it it was pretty much a two-man show for power i mean that the guy who played third base most of last year whose name i don't know if, if either of us has brought him up eduardo escobar at 20 it felt like he hit them all in like three shots basically uh which hey it adds up to 20 we spent a lot of last year kind of wondering what the heck was wrong with eduardo escobar and then he made
0: us say nothing because he had a great September. Uh, That's right. 171 home runs. I said 105. It was 66 for Alonzo and Lindor. 105 for the rest of the team.
1: Ah, okay. Well, 105 for the rest of the team. There were years the entire team didn't hit 105. And it was a good lineup last year. Not enough pop. Well, again, Correa is a multifaceted player. And by the way, several years younger than Escobar. I think if they were super happy with Escobar, uh, they wouldn't have been thinking about how can we upgrade a third base. So as far as the bullpen is concerned, Hendricks, another back-end guy, you realize how many nights, despite having a core of back-end guys, you suddenly find yourself wondering who's going to pitch the seventh tonight <laughs> because we just used reliever A, B, and C last night. We can't overuse them. And you know, I think to show Walter's credit, he, he didn't wear anybody out last year. So I don't know what it would take to get Hendricks. Oh, Hendricks or Hendrick? Hendricks. Hendricks. Thank you. Let's let us not chip him out of his S either. So I don't know what it would take to get Hendricks. I'm more familiar with his pitching than I am. how to pronounce his name. My apologies. You look into everything. I, I, I think the only thing that, that should hold a team back is its lack of creativity or its lack of personnel in terms of resources. Uh, we've seen, or at least we we have a sense of how much money comes into the game. We see the TV contracts and the licensing deals and all these things. And these teams are not owned by nonprofit entities. Maybe not everybody is Steve Cohn in the owners' meetings, but there's a lot of Steve Cohnishness, if you will, going on out there. I'm sorry for the fans of teams who look at their owners and say, well. Oh, we're a small market team or, oh, our, our owner can't spend. Your owner can spend. Your owner can do better. For years, we knew our owners could do better, and they didn't. This was a small market until about three years ago or so. It felt like a mid-market. You got to remember, the Mets were supposed to supposed to be signing Javier Baez last year. He was going to move to second, and that never happened. And maybe it's just for the best. This is sort of that instead. And I think it's an upgrade. Lindor wanted to play with Baez. I think Lindor wants to play with Correa. It's a lot of talent. We'll see how it plays out. Keep looking. Hey, listen, we were in first place fairly comfortably, even though it got close mid-season. The Mets were always looking to get better. I don't think there's any sense Billy Epler and his front office ever says, uh, you know, we're set. They'll keep looking. We'll keep listening.
0: And we can't wait to talk about it with you on National League Town. Just so you know, this was not an episode that we expected to do. NLT Studios was on a holiday break. We have two more episodes this year that are in the can, as they say, and you'll hear them. But we couldn't wait to talk to you about this monumental signing. So look for those two new episodes before the end of the year. Until next time, I'm Jeff Heisen. I'm Greg Prince. And as always, let's go Mets. Copyright 2022. Music provided by the Royal Arctic Institute. Check them out on Spotify.